Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. 500K or dinner with Jay-Z? What? You got show me the money or appetizers with the goat? Show me the money? Keegan, I would think for sure. Who wants to get apps with the goat? Anybody? Is that on YouTube? Anybody in-house can, can say, I want to get apps with the goat? Anybody? Okay, we got in the back, I see you. Terrence? That's you? Why, 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 Terrence? There you go. See, some ideas aren't, aren't you know, they're invaluable. Ain't that right, Terrence? But people had all types of, you know, I think, I'm, I, I know we're on the latter end of this, and Jay-Z even came on, they say he came on his title Twitter and said, take the 500K. You know, I, that's what he knows. Even he knows. Listen. So, um, but generosity today is Generosity Sunday. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, it, 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 this question reminds us that generosity can be shown in many different ways, right? Uh, whether it is 500K or share an appetizer for the goat, you know, be generous in different ways. Ways. So uh, we are continuing our series on satisfied when contentment meets pleasure. And, you know, today we really want to talk about, okay, how does uh, generosity tie into satisfaction, right? How does generosity lead us to uh, that state of being satisfied where contentment meets pleasure? And so the message uh, title for us today is generous, as in us being generous. One word title. We know that one. Let's go ahead and go to that next slide. Generous. That is the title for today. Um, this is an important piece of finding satisfaction. Uh, what we do with our Generosity Sunday and even with our giving, uh, you know, most of us may understand the usual. We give our tithes and offerings on a weekly basis. What we do at The Path is we have two times a year where we do special campaigns. Uh, we do one around this time uh, of the year where we focus on giving in-house, where we give a special contribution, a special gift uh, that hopefully we've been saving for and planning for uh, to go towards our vision and mission, right? Um, and then later on in the year, uh, we have another campaign where we uh, tap into our network to Friends of the Path, uh, to partners uh, who want to give toward a specific cause. Uh, it may be a, um, an initiative in the community. We've done Path Academy in the past. We've uh, invested in our uh, children's ministry, whatever it may be. And so um, what you'll be able to do today is just be able to give uh, to uh, what you would like to give to. So we'll give you the QR code, and if you haven't given with us before, uh, but you can choose to give to our vision fund, uh, which is to create churches that mobilize the next generation, and some of that will be used to be able to help us uh, start churches. We have the, uh, the Next Gen Fund, the Kavi Purdue Next Gen Fund, to invest uh, in our future, invest in our youth. We have our Be a Blessing uh, Fund. Our Be a Blessing Fund is really... Uh, 
uh, an opportunity for us to respond to immediate needs that may come up. Um, and then we have our benevolence as well, and that's for needs that come up within the church. So Be a Blessing is more tied into helping the community, um, and benevolence is uh, helps within the church. So um, that's a little bit of what uh, we do financially here at the church. Today what we're going to do, we're going to um, do a character study, a character study on a man named Cornelius. Cornelius is found in Acts chapter 10, and uh, he's known for his generosity. Uh, so Acts 10, we're going to jump right into it. Acts 10 is a, uh, a longer passage here, so we're going to skip around a little bit, but I want to encourage you, this is going to give you some opportunities to study things out on your own. Amen? Yeah. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and start reading here in Acts chapter 10 in verse 1. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God. As an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a, a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. Okay, so here we're introduced to Cornelius. He is the captain of the guard, a centurion, a soldier, over a hundred soldiers. We see that he's devout, he's God-fearing, he's a leader of his household, of his family and friends. Um, he gives generously, right? He prays regularly. 3 p.m. was the usual time where Jewish people would pray at 3 p.m., so he's joining them in prayer, um, uh, an angel appears here out of nowhere and during his time of prayer and encourages him uh, because of who he is, uh, says, you know, God has seen you, seen what you are doing, seen who you are. Now, I want you to go ahead and uh, summon Simon Peter, the uh, disciple. And so he responds to that. He's given his assignment and it says that he responds immediately. So what happens next? The next, next day, uh, Cornelius, you know, sends his people. They go out, and they're nearing the town. And Peter at this time is, it's about noon, and he goes up to the roof to pray. And so the brother was hungry. He starts praying. He got a little tired, uh, you know, got into a little trance and saw a vision from heaven. It was a sheet being held by four corners being brought down from heaven and all types of animals on there. And uh, reptiles, birds, all types of animals. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter's like, no, I, I can't eat that. These are unclean animals. I've never broken the Jewish law in that regard. The, vo the voice said again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And so that vision happened to him three times, and then the sheet goes back up to heaven, okay? So verse 17, we'll pick up there. It says, Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? 
Just then, the men sent by Cornelius, they found Simon's house. They're standing outside the gate. They asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. And so Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, well, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He's a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. And so Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. Can you imagine a centurion falling at his feet to worship another man? But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up, I'm a human being just like you. Don't, don't worship me, Peter said. He knew that was not going to be good for him. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. And so there's, God's just working in this, right? God sends an angel to go uh, appear to the Cornelius. Then God gives Peter this vision. And so he's preparing Peter to go about his assignment to go meet Cornelius. Last week, we talked about slowing down. We talked about slowing down. Now, there's some things we should not respond slowly to, right? You know, the fact that they had slowed down enough to be in prayer, to spend time in prayer. Did you notice what happened? Both the situations that happened happened when they were what? Praying. And because they, were, they had slowed down their lives to be close to God, they were able to respond immediately when God showed up. So that's the beautiful thing when we do slow down. We get a chance to respond immediately. Now, if you don't understand what the racial dynamics were, there were some real tension, uh, racial religious tensions in the air, right? So Cornelius is a Gentile. Uh, Simon Peter is a Jew. They don't associate with each other. They look down on one another. And so uh, even though that was in the air, it didn't hold Cornelius back from, from asking this Jewish man to come. And it didn't hold uh, Peter back from responding. Even though he was wrestling through it, he still chose to submit. Now, I will say this before we move on. Um, I want to encourage you, trust what happens in prayer. Amen. Trust what happens. As you're spending time with God in prayer, and, you know, prayer, I, what I realize is not just me talking to God. That's when I hear from God. That's when he speaks to my heart. That's when I get, uh, that's when the, the Holy Spirit nudges me. That's when he puts people on my heart, on my spirit to reach out to them. Like, when things happen like that in your time with God, write them down. Respond to them um, because it may be part of it, God's greatest, greater plan that's happening um, that we may not even know all the puzzle pieces that are happening at the same time, okay? So what happens? What happens? Well, Peter tells them, listen, you know it's against our law for a Jewish man to even go into your home. 
Uh, I can't even associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. What God was trying to show Peter was not that the animals were unclean. He knew that. He was like, but you can think of animals as unclean. You, just, you can't think of people as unclean. And so that, you should, nothing should hold us back from reaching out to people, loving up on people, right, and helping them to know Jesus. And so Peter decided, hey, I'm going to go ahead and come, um, and now I want you, you tell me, why did you send for me? I want to know. So Cornelius says, listen, this is what happened. Four days ago I was praying, an angel came, this is what he said, and he told me to come send for you. So I sent for you at once, and it was good for you to come. And I love this line in verse 33. He says, now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Cornelius was eager to hear the message from God. He was so eager that he got all his friends and family together. We got to hear from God. Are we eager to hear the message from God? Do we come to church eager to hear from God, our creator? Do we go into our times with God during the day eager to, God, what do you have for me today? I want to know. Family and friends, we got to hear God together. Are we eager about bringing our friends and family with us to church? We got to go hear from God. What is better than that? What is better than that? Cornelius was the chosen one. You know, many of us, we're first-generation Christians. I don't know about you, but there's times I felt like, God, why me? It's like, man, I'd love to... It would have been nice maybe just to kind of grow up, and I'm just part of the, the, you know, part of the plan here. But sometimes it feels like some of us have to carry that burden for our families. Like, we got to be the spiritual ones, <laughs> you know, and God just chose us. You know, some of us have come from, you know, generations of dysfunctional behavior, sinful behavior, hurtful behavior. And now all of a sudden we have heard from God, we've responded to him. It's hard. It's hard to continue to respond. It's hard to continue to love our family. It's hard to continue to preach the word. It's hard to continue to forgive. And yet God is calling us to do that. So I want to encourage you. Be encouraged that God is with you. He called you for a reason. If you're in that position, God has called you for a reason. God is with you. So Cornelius says, listen, I'm here. We want to hear the message. And that's what Peter says. Peter says here, all right, here's the message. <laughs> Jesus lived. He, 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 he healed people who were being oppressed by Satan. Um, he preached about the kingdom of God. He died on the cross. He resurrected. I saw him after he resurrected. He says, I, I ate with him. I drank with him uh, after he rose from the dead. And he gave us orders to preach the word everywhere we go and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one that all the prophets have been talking about. And that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. He just preached the word, just gave him the gospel message, the good news. All right? Verse 44, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in their own tongues 
and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to them being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders to them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. The Holy Spirit falls on this group of Gentile people the same way it fell on the Jewish people at Pentecost. In Acts 2, they started speaking in different languages, and it wasn't just unknown words. The people in the audience were like, because they had come from all over the world for their, their, their journey to Jerusalem, their pilgrimage, and they, had, they are hearing these people speaking in all their different languages. And then the same thing happens now. So the doors to the kingdom were being opened to the Jewish people in Acts 2. Now the doors of the kingdom are being opened to the Gentile people in Acts chapter 10. And God knew he had to do something that they would understand so that they could get past their own prejudice and see them as God sees them. Okay, so a lot of great lessons here. We're going to focus um, on... Cornelius and his impact. So point number one, generosity moves God. Generosity moves God. This is amazing. Generosity literally unlocks the movement of God. It inspires God to move. Here in this story, the heavens shook, angels were deployed, visions were given in response to the generosity of one man, the chosen one. And generosity was simply the fruit of his fear of God. See, how did they know he was such a devout man? He was praying, he was doing all this stuff, but the way they saw him live it out is by the way he treated the poor, by the way he gave from what he had, the way he served his family and friends, his households. There's a reason why all these people were around him and allowed him to influence them. Now, in the same way, generosity is a direct reflection of our own relationship with God. How generous we are really is a way to measure where we are in our relationship with God. And let me say this, generosity is not about how much we have, but how well we steward what we do have. You know, for our family, generosity is really important to us. So uh, for us, we strive to just live a generous lifestyle. Part of that is giving um, in, you know, to the church. Um, but we decide that we're going to be intentional, right? So even with our special contribution, we've set a goal um, that is beyond something that we can reach on our own. And we ask God to give to us so that we can give to others. God, give to me so I can give back to you. And he does that. He himself just gives us money, <laughs> whether it's through jobs or whatever else. I mean, he provides. Um, we have a Macedonian fund. That is a fund that we save up for so that when there are needs that come our way, we already have the money saved up to be able to respond to those needs spontaneously. You ever have something come up but you just didn't have it? Right? Because we didn't plan to have it. Or we end up giving out of means that we don't have when we go into debt to help somebody else. And so for us, we got this idea for some friends of ours to just save up and have money set aside so that we can give and meet needs spontaneously. We love uh, to be generous with our home. God has uh, blessed our home to be a safe haven for people, um, to be a place of peace for people. And for us, you know, we find satisfaction in that. Like, 
it feels good to be able to be hospitable and for people to say, man, I was able to find refreshment while I stayed with you guys. I was able to feel loved while I was with you. That's satisfying to us. And, and don't let anybody tell you that giving is just a selfless act. No, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So you know what that means? It makes us feel good too. That's the way God made it so that we can be happy in that as well. You know, there's also great satisfaction in paying off student loans. Now, I don't know nothing about that, but I've heard, specifically from Dr. Kende. Dr. Kende recently paid off his student loans, yes. He put up this IG post that the average cost of attending medical school in the U.S. is between $255,000 to $330,000. His student loans were $390K. He did it. He said, after sleepless nights, long night drives, virtual patient visits, and even through the pandemic, his student loan balance is at zero. Zero. Now, here's a cool thing about this. Back in 2010, me and Ken Day uh, went to Stone Mountain. This is 23 years ago. <laughs> we went to Stone Mountain to pray. He was about to head off to med school at this point. Um, fast forward 13 years, and just a few weeks ago, we went back to Stone Mountain, um, and we were just so excited because there we were able to pray just a prayer of gratitude. Ken, they said, I just want to thank God, and I don't want to ask for anything in this prayer. And it was just moving, sitting there, being with him, and celebrating with him. I was so honored that he would invite me. He's like, Angel, we got to go back to Stone Mountain. You know, this is about to happen. And I'm like, we got to go and celebrate. But you know what Kende's heart was while we were up there after we prayed? He said, you know, one of the reasons I did this is because I want to be able to give more generously to the church. He said, so let me know, what does the church need? I want to be able to help. That's a Cornelius spirit. That's a Cornelius spirit. And what Dr. Kende understands, he understands the church is a vessel. We don't give to the church. We give through the church. The church should be a way, okay, it comes to us, and then we, we disperse it, right? We, give some, we, we, we disperse it to have a place to meet. We disperse it to have people on staff and support them so that we can do the work of the Lord. We disperse it out into the community. We disperse it out to do good, to help people, to love people so that more souls can be saved, more people can become disciples. And that's my second point. Generosity saves people. Generosity saves people. You know, um, for those of us who are not Jewish, I would say that's most of us, unless we identify as Hebrew Israelites, um, most of us aren't Jewish. For those of us who aren't Jewish, that makes us Gentiles. So we can trace back our spiritual lineage to Cornelius. The ripple effect of his humility and generosity is still being seen and felt in us. Because he said yes, because he decided to be a man of God, he was the chosen one. Because of that, we have an opportunity to say yes. God worked through him to open up the gates of the kingdom to Gentiles, to us. Now, to really understand the impact 
of this conversion of Cornelius, we got to understand where it happened. Um, in verse 1, it tells us, uh, in Caesarea, there lived a Roman officer named Cornelius. So this Caesarea is Caesarea uh, Maritima, um, or Caesarea by the sea. There was uh, different Caesareas, uh, and the sea is the Mediterranean Sea. So it just so happened, uh, this was our first stop, our first site that we visited, Dr. Patterson and I and the group of preachers, when we went to Israel. So let me tell you a little bit about Caesarea by the sea. Caesar Augustus gave this city to Herod the Great, um, and around 25 BC is when Herod began an extensive building project. So he was determined to create a Roman outpost here um, because the city was so well situated uh, for trade. So like any modern Roman city, uh, it had markets, wide roads, temples, a drainage system for sanitation, aqueducts for fresh water, luxurious public buildings, including his palace that was there overlooking the ocean. He built a 4,500-seat amphitheater overlooking the ocean for theatrical productions. Take a look at this picture. This is the theater that they built back around 25 BC. All right. Next picture is on the inside. Uh, they still host events there, and it's over y'all. It's overlooking the ocean. So think about it. you're out here in the amphitheater, and you you see you're watching the the play, and then in the in the horizon is the ocean. Uh, also built a hippodrome. A hippodrome is like a stadium. This stadium uh, would host major sporting events and gladiator games. And it could see 38,000 people. Put that into perspective. The NBA Finals are being played in arenas that seat right around 20,000. This sat 38,000. But Caesarea became um, not only the capital of the province for about 500 years, but also the headquarters for the Roman legions that were stationed in that region in Judea. So in the day of Jesus, Pontius Pilate, that's where he lived. He decided that's where he, I, would, I understand. If I was a governor, I'd want to live by the sea too. For a Roman officer, this was the dream job. It didn't get better than this. This is the Roman outpost. This is where you want to get to in your career. And it's by the ocean? Oh my goodness, this is the ideal location. But what made this city run was its harbor. His har this harbor, you'll see it in the background there um, behind me. That's the harbor. Um, so Herod built a 40-acre artificial harbor with a lighthouse, six enormous statues, uh, an anchorage for up to 300 ships. All of this helped um, to really, like, when I, when I went through there, it just helped me to understand like the magnitude of this conversion. And, and here's why. This is like my first aha moment. Um, I'm walking uh, uh, with the guide, and um, he starts telling me about different things. And we go up to the place where they say, hey, right there is where Cornelius and his household were baptized. Now, I don't know why, but I always thought they were baptized in his home because that's where they got the word of God, right? And I'm just thinking, okay, maybe they had big bathtub and baptize all them folks. But then it made sense when they said, no, they came down to the harbor. What does that mean? One of the most influential people in that city. 
people, uh, the captain of the guard, his whole household came down. This harbor was bustling with life. There's, there's arts there. There's sporting events there. There's trade happening there. And all of a sudden, can you imagine Peter and the disciples walking down with Cornelius and his family going down to the water saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. Can you imagine that? And people just looking and turning and watching. What's happening here? What is going on? And so really, this really turned the tide. I mean, if you think about it, think about this is like a Falcons player after the game going down to what do they call that, the backyard right there by Mercedes-Benz Stadium and getting baptized right there, him and his whole family, while all the fans watch. That's what it was like. Or, or a Braves player being baptized right there at the battery. That's the magnitude of what happened here with Cornelius. And I remember asking our God, I'm like, hey, what was the population like? Like, how many people lived here? He's like, we don't really know how many people lived here because there were so many people coming and going. And at that moment, boom, I realized something I had never understood before. I've always known how God decided to spread the gospel through the roadways that happened because of the Roman um, uh, dynasty and their kingdom. But I never thought about how God used the way of the water. And so what happened there, now all these Gentiles became Christians, but guess what they did? They got back on their ships. And they went back because the Mediterranean touched three continents. It touches three, Europe, Asia, and Africa. So as people came in to trade, to do business, to come see a gladiator game, they heard the gospel. And guess where they took the gospel? Back home. You see, in God's plan, he allowed Herod (laughs) to build this incredible harbor and city only to use it for his glory. You know, I, um, as I I studied this out, I was just, I had to think, as I I thought about Cornelius, I'm like, it was somebody that came to mind, he was already up here, I just thought about Moreno. I'm like, this, this reminds me of Moreno. You know, I, I, Moreno is, uh, uh, played for the NFL. He played for the Falcons. Go ahead and show that picture. He was drafted by the Falcons. He does have a rookie card, drafted card. He went to Troy University, played there, played receiver in the league, went to North Lane High School. You know, um, I met him at North Lane through Fellowship of Christian Athletes when I was there uh, years ago. And... Uh, Moreno was already a God-fearing man. He's already a person of influence. And he's a hero, especially if you go down to College Park. Like, he's a hero. He came out of, out of College Park and went into the league. Um, generous. You can see his generosity as he interacted with his friends, family, with the players, with the coaches. Not to mention that he looks like a soldier. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he looks like a gladiator. I mean, he... So, you know, for me, I was praying. I'm like, God, I know you have me here for a reason. I was praying about the students and, and, and the coaches. And so I said, one day he told me he liked peanut M&Ms. And so every game <laughs> that Stacy said, <laughs> every game I would bring him some peanut M&Ms. That was my way of being generous. And that just, I, I was just being thoughtful, right? Hey, he said he liked I'm just going to give this to him. But for me, it was in faith because I'm like, He's hungry for God. He wants to grow more in his relationship with God. And what I appreciate about him, like Cornelius, was his humility. He could have said, I've arrived already. I'm good. I made it. 
No, he was humble to hear God's word. When he got baptized back in 2017, I'll never forget it because back then we had a small baptistry. It was about half the size of this. And, uh, and so if you look at the next picture here, uh, Moreno went out and bought his own baptistry. He got this pool, and he sent me this picture, and he made sure I can fit. I think about 10 feet long. And, uh, and Paul, Paul built a little wooden enclosure around it. It was so cool. Um, and we baptized him. You go to the next slide. There you see uh, the brothers with him um, back in 2017. Can you believe it's already been about six years since he's become a Christian? Now, God has used Moreno in some powerful ways. He went on to help his wife Stacy to become a disciple and be baptized. Yeah. Led his family through some really challenging times as their son has some serious health challenges. He's a patriarch to his family, his community. He brings his family to church, coaches, players. He brings them with him. And then he takes the gospel to them. He's doing Bible studies with the coaches at the school. Yeah, this is who he is. Uh, a small group that he was a part of went and served the team. But what I appreciate about them, they're just kingdom-minded. Just a kingdom-minded couple. They're here early to serve. Stacy's here singing, um, and Moreno comes early, and yeah, he's on security, but he gets a lot of stuff done while he's, while the, the, you know, while the music ministry is rehearsing. He leads the fit team, their circle up, so he uses all his coaching experience to get the, the fit team going in the morning. Um, he got a new place, recently moved to a new place, and he let us know, this is going to be a great place to host our mission groups. And they did. They recently had a barbecue for Memorial Day, had a great time, had a bunch of people there visiting. Um, but that's just what it means to be a kingdom-minded person, a kingdom-minded couple. Uh, grateful for Stacy. She's an assistant principal. She used her network to help Marcos's wife, Amaryllis, find a job in Gwinnett County. There's more than one ways to be generous, y'all. But I think it's important to see these real-life examples. And that's just one example. We have so many examples here in this church. So many of us are so generous. We are a generous church. And I do believe that we have everything we need right here in this church and through the partners that God has given us to create churches that mobilize the next generation, to start churches all over this city. That's why I'm so excited about what's happening in Sandy Springs. God himself, the, 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 the heavens are shaking, the, uh, the people are being summoned, right? I mean, God himself is moving. Prayers are being answered when it comes to uh, starting a church in Sandy Springs. When you start a church, you need leadership. God's being generous about providing leaders. You need people. God's being generous about providing people. Um, our philosophy is that we don't just want to do church. We want to actually be part of community transformation. And so we understand that partnerships are so important to that. God's providing the partnerships. We understand education is important. We've got connected to Sandy Springs uh, Charter Middle School through Mike Brooks, who, is, who works there and has a program there mentoring the young kids there called Gentlemen Elite. We've got into that school already, met with their administration. Nate Hines is on the board for Sandy Springs Mission, a nonprofit that is mentoring in that community with my Latino people. So, 
church starting is not something we're, we're just, we just want to, this is something God is doing, and we get to be a part of it. Amen? Amen. Now, what does this mean for us? It means that being kingdom-minded means constantly thinking about how we can be generous with our time, our treasure, our talent. But talent isn't only the skills that we have. It's about the platforms that come as a result. It's about the network that we have, the connections that we have, because you just never know how God is going to use something he has given us. Amen? So, last point, generosity attracts generosity. Generosity attracts generosity. You know, because of Cornelius' generosity, there were people that supported him. They were willing to vouch for him. They're like, hey, listen, he's respected by the Jews. You should come and talk to this man, right? Um, And they were excited about partnering with him to do good. Now, we're seeing the same thing happen here because of the generous, generous hearts that we have here in this church. It's the same thing. We, you all don't fully know how much of an inspiration you are to so many around this city. So many people around this city. We're seeing this same thing happen. Um, I want to share with you a little bit um, a story as we close out. Uh, just to share with you kind of the, the journey we've gone through with Path Academy. Um, Path Academy, uh, we, we refurbished and renovated this building so that we can have an early learning center here in this church. Um, and uh, there was different iterations. We were just going to have an early learning center. Then God transitioned us to, to thinking and praying about having an early center, early learning center for homeless children, right? And as much as we kept trying and pushing to get that thing started, we were just hitting wall after wall after wall. And uh, it was discouraging for me. I struggle. I struggle. And it's, it's always hard for me because I could come up here and share with you some great visions, excitement about projects, but when they don't work out, I feel responsible. We give it to something and it doesn't work out. It's like, oh man, people have sacrificed for this and now it's not. And so I'm, I'm having these internal battles of like, man, does God even want this to happen? Did we jump the gun? And so... We said, you know what, well, let's see what God does want. Let's open this up to see if anybody wants to rent out the space. And immediately, somebody wanted to rent it out, met all our terms. Now we have lots of love, uh, daycare that's going to be starting downstairs. Yes, so we do have a daycare starting. It just looks a little different. But here's the thing that God does. Here's the thing that God does. Um, When I was struck, we had a volunteer meeting, and one of the volunteers that came is the executive director for the Atlanta Collaborative District. Her name is Zakiya Williams, and uh, she was following up with me after that to see what we were going to do about Path Academy, Children's Center. And I said, Zakiya, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know if we need to put this on hold or if we need to just scratch it all together. And Zakiya, and I just tell her, I told her the whole journey, what we've been going through, and um, she said, wait, wait, before you scratch it, we know your heart for the community. I've seen it. I've been there. I know what you guys are doing. Um, I, I, I've been an advisor for the Atlanta Collaborative District uh, since they began. And so we have a relationship. She said, um, and, and, and just so you know, if you go to the next slide, the Atlanta Collaborative District 
uh, is an organization supporting and resourcing Christian leaders. So uh, their mission uh, is resourcing the next generation of Christian leaders to strategically and collaboratively engage in the flourishing of Atlanta. Right? And so she goes, hold up before you, you know, get weary and doing good. We just had a meeting. And one of our big initiatives is we want to do community outreach, but we are looking for someone to partner with. And in our meeting, we decided that um, we wanted to partner with a local church congregation. Check. That is generous in the community. Check. That has partners already in the community. Check. And with somebody that we know so that the trust is already there and we can actually get something done. Check. You can't make this stuff up. So we started talking. They came and presented to our staff. They asked us how they can help us, how they can serve us. We vetted them. They vetted us and all that good stuff for a healthy partnership. And and through this, uh, they have decided that they are going to uh, support us uh, in an initiative to help us reimagine what we can do with our land. Okay, what does that mean? We, our land is five acres. It goes back into those woods. We have five acres of land. And what I told her was, we have a big vision. We wanted to start with Path Academy, but really we want to be a hub for this community. We want to be a light for this community, right? And that's always been the dream as we got here. And we want to know how we can use our land to be able to serve the community, to provide resources to, um, for people to be able to come and know Jesus and to be able to get the physical help, emotional help, uh, mental help, whatever it is that they need. And said, okay, well, we want to help fund that. And so they are giving us a grant of $25,000 to help that happen. And so, it's amazing. you just never know what God is doing, right? You just never know, and it's usually in our weakness, in our moments of weakness, that God's like, no, don't, I have a bigger plan. I have something bigger that I'm doing. And so what that's going to look like practically is uh, they helped us uh, connect with a organization, a business called Good Places, and that's what they do. So they're going to look at our land, they're going to assess our land, they're going to assess the stakeholders, internal stakeholders in the church, external stakeholders in the community, um, and to see, man, what initiatives do we want to start on this land to be able to meet the greatest needs in this community. So um, it's going to be exciting. Please pray for that. They're going to start working on the land stuff, ASAP. When we come back from summer, we'll have a couple of meetings to be able to, uh, to hear from us and from the community. So that will be helpful. And we'll get the, you know, the, the, the group of leaders and leadership team uh, to be able to help us uh, to do that. God is working. And generosity attracts generosity because God doesn't want us to do this on our own. God wants us to be able to do it together, and we're part of something even greater that God is doing. And I don't even think Cornelius really understood what all God was doing through him. And here we are more than 2,000 years later, thanking him for being devout, God-fearing, and generous.
Um, as we think about communion, um, you know, it's really through God's generosity that we are all saved. You know, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Um, Christ himself is a representation of God's generosity. And because of that, we can be a representation of God's generosity. Let's go ahead and pray for communion. God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that you have lavished us with every spiritual gift that we need, God. Lord, your, your gifts are countless. You are the great giver, and we worship you. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to share in your generosity. Thank you for the joy and satisfaction that being generous brings to us. Thank you for the way that you used a man like Cornelius so many years ago as an example of ways that you can use us. And I thank you for the ways that you used us. You continue to use us, and you will use us in the future. Please help us to have soft hearts, to always live with open hands and open hearts, God. And what we do have, God, we pray that you will bless, that you will continue to magnify it, multiply it, so that we can spread your word, make disciples, partner with you to save as many people as possible, so we really can store up treasure in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about The Path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.